Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya basketball podcast. I'm Bobby Bancroft, and we are coming to you live on tape delay the day after Georgetown unfortunately set the Big East record for consecutive losses, falling in the second half after being tied with Villanova 73-57. I am here with casual Hoya Andrew Geiger, and yesterday was just a huge day when you consider the lead up to the game. We got the Associated Press I helped out on got you know a story uh, for about Lee Reed what his expectations are for the program and then obviously afterwards Ewing was given a chance to respond to those comments and just kind of give some more big picture talk Andrew huge day uh, you know the loss the record totally just it stinks that Georgetown's associated with it how did you kind of see the day what, what was you know your takeaway from yesterday uh, the show goes on right I mean now we are as much as we were before, we are a laughing stock of the entire country. And just as before we before we jumped on this call, I saw Gary Parrish tweeted something about, you know, what's going on in the Senate with voting, you know, yeah. electing a speaker and how Kevin McCarthy should have scheduled a game against Georgetown to get a win. I mean, this is where we are now, right? Um, we are the butt of jokes. And as much as I went out, you know, running the site when DePaul was the butt of jokes and how fun that was to just poke fun at DePaul right now. We are DePaul, right? I think that Douster threw something out there last night that Georgetown is the new DePaul. And this is not getting any better. And it's not getting better in large part due to Ewing's just selfishness as far as his standing as the coach of, of Georgetown. I mean, those comments that he made after the game yesterday, and I'm sure we'll get to it, about how, you know, he's there to talk about the game and not his future and that he's not going anywhere and it's up to DeJoy and the board to make a move. Well, I mean, come on, man. Like, that, that was the worst possible outcome when he was hired, was that ultimately he would have to be fired, right? I mean, even Chris Mullen at St. John's had the sense to walk away, right? This is going to get really ugly, and it's really only due to, I don't know whether it's Ewing's pride or, or what he's thinking. I can't even imagine waking up in the morning and, be, and going to work anymore if I were him. Like, just walk away. Salvage, yeah. salvage whatever remaining goodwill there is between you and the fan base. And just walk away. You, you know, he, sh- he walks away, shows up at a home game down the road, gets a standing ovation, no problem. No one's going to fault him for walking away. But if he stays on, it, I don't know how the program recovers. Well, I, I think you have to hire a really good coach. The next coach you have to you have to hire. And gosh, it's it's so easy to go in a, a million different ways. I did want to have a little bit of order here. Can we just go back to the Associated Press report where Lee Reed did respond to a request? He didn't give an interview, but he did give a statement to the AP. You know, he said that this is a challenging and frustrating time for men's basketball and our fans. And then, you know, he goes on to say, Coach Ewing understands that it is imperative to get the program back on track and no one is more committed than he is to making that happen. So that came out, I think, just a couple hours before tip. What did you think about what Lee Reed, what would you kind of read into that? Did you like seeing it? Did you want to see more? I feel like a lot of fans wanted to see more, but I think there's only so much he can say. Yeah, no, and and I think it was actually very, very encouraging. I think the words there that they used were were very encouraging to see, especially that, that word imperative, um, because that 
tells me that he's got to get the the program back on track soon or else he's gone and it's not he's not going to get back on track. Patrick Ewing is not going to be the coach of the Hoyas next season. That much is 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 certain. I've heard from a number of people that that, that much is certain. So whether or not the only issue now is whether or not there's some sort of change mid-season. And again, you doing <laughs> flaming those fires after the game last night in that press conference makes it seem now that the only way that there will be a move is if uh, DeJoya and the board act. Um, I hate to see Lee Reed having to be the, the, the face of the program and having to issue that statement when really it, it's not up to him. Uh, you, you know, Ewing's fate has nothing to do with, with Lee Reed. Um, so th- I guess that's my reaction. The reaction is we, you and the AP kind of forced his hand to issue a statement. I'm encouraged that, number one, they did issue one pretty quickly after the request. And then number two, the language within that statement clearly indicates um, that change is coming. Yeah, and then the Washington Post was at the game, which is always very nice. They've their coverage, they're they're basically treating Georgetown right now like they used to treat GW and George Mason, which is, you know, I do like those programs, but that's not a great way to be treated. You know, Kareem, who's been on the beat for a while, Kareem Copeland, he got the first question. And obviously, the you know, nothing in the game mattered. Let's be honest. I mean, yes, Brandon Murray got hurt. Bryson Mazone got hurt. The big picture just doesn't matter at all. You know, hopefully those guys are healthy, but you know what I mean? That wasn't the story. So Kareem gets the first question, and he obviously, the first question had to be a follow-up to, you know, Lee Reed's comments. And, you know, Patrick started with, uh, at first I was like, oh, no, he's not going to talk at all. You know, he says, I'm only here to talk about the game. But he did go forward, and basically, yeah, it, it's almost like a challenge, right? And it's kind of weird, too, because yep. Lee Reed's in that room, and he's responding to Lee Reed's comments, but doesn't, you know, mention Lee Reed. It's like, well, he, you know, he understands who's in charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess that that's some good uh, color that you've added to it. I mean, obviously, when we're watching that and we're just watching Ewing up at the podium, we don't know who's who's in the room. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Well, I mean, you've got I, you've I got you've got Lee Reed. You've got his son. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you know. I don't think I saw Ronnie last night, but uh, that's usually who's sort of behind the reporters. Yeah, I mean, so obviously that that's interesting. I mean, it, you know, Ewing sort of subtly challenging the the AD's authority like that um and then also challenging you know the the, the president and the board to, to to act um i i obviously don't think that was a good move i think that if anything the the, the joya and the the board if they had any inkling to let him ride it out the rest of the season um i think last night lit some fires under some people and i know they did because i've been receiving bunch of emails from folks that I haven't heard about in a long time. And when I say long time, I mean right around 53 firing time, um, suddenly saying, you know, you know, what do we need to do? Yeah. And, and, you know, later on, he did say he's very prideful. You know, he, he doesn't like that they're associated with this. You know, Georgetown's prideful university. He's a prideful person. Honestly, for me, that's been going to all the games, reporting all the games, I do not enjoy asking him every game about the streak. And now that they've broken it and it's likely to extend at least one more game, they probably have a 50-50 shot of beating Seton Hall at home next week, but they're not going to go to Marquette and win. He definitely gave, for everyone that's angry and, you know, all this stuff, you know, I asked him what's the hardest part about this losing streak. And, you know, he, you know, talking to me is the hardest part. And it's like, it, you know, you have to remember people are, he's mm-hmm. a person, right? He's Patrick Ewing. Yep. He's larger than life. He is a person that was kind of, 
probably like the maybe the best moment there, but there's just nothing good to talk about there. Now that we're at this point, I'm not going to be like, hey, Patrick, what's it like to lose 27 in a row? Like, it's over. Like, they've set the record. This is beyond, I, I think this is beyond anyone's worst case scenario. You mentioned the worst case scenario that this would happen. Andrew, I think actually the worst scenario would have been is if he had, had a, if he had just had a bunch of seasons like JT3's last two seasons. Because I think at that point, there's enough people that can make arguments like he could continue. This is just, uh, the floor is so low right now. You, you know what I mean? Like if they were just like a, well, I, I, you know guess, what I, mean? I guess my point, my point is, yes, I know what you're, I know what you're saying, but as far as like any tarnishing of his legacy, I think sure. this is the worst way because it's so clear to everyone looking at the program um, from both inside and out that this is someone that needs to just step away. Yeah. And he hasn't accepted that. Um, and I don't know why. <laughs> I really don't know why. I mean, even what you just said, like the hardest thing is talking, you know, to media. Well, stop. <laughs> I'm mean, not stop talking to media, but like walk away and then you don't have to do it anymore. Right? Like you, you, you keep saying the same thing. It's just not working. And if you, I, I don't know. I can't, ima- again, I can't imagine being in his shoes. Well, for a number of reasons. But number, I just can't imagine waking up and going and doing that job every day, um, just knowing and just hearing all the noise around me. Well, I, th- I think when you you've been a competitor and you've been the best at something in the world, like he was for what you know, twenty years basically from college through the pros, he was he was a, one of the top basketball players in the world for a very very long time, and it's sort of like we're seeing. Right now, we're sort of seeing Patrick Ewing, Seattle Sonics, Orlando Magic, Patrick Ewing, right? <laughs> but also, yeah, but also now, it would have been one thing where, okay, I've got all these new guys in, they need time to gel, blah, blah, blah. But now you've got Heath Hurt, you've got Murray out. I mean, now, now all your pieces are falling apart. Like, at this point, I don't even see any, any path to any sort of gelling that, that's not coming anything. If, if anything, I guess the benefit is that some of the guys at the end of the bench who we've been clamoring for to get more playing time for since the season really started are going are gonna to see it. So they'll develop unintentionally, right? <laughs> like, you yeah. know, um, but I don't see any path to, to wins becoming any easier. No, I, I think the hardest part, well, look, we're, we're living all of the worst scenarios for when you decide to run it back after somebody has a season like they had in his fifth year. You know, if that happens in your first year, second year, you chalk it up to, you know, taking over a program and installing a culture and these types of things. When that happens in your fifth year, you're just like, uh, this is kind of who you are going forward is really, really risky. But, you know, they gave him all new stuff. I mean, he, in that, in that interview with Fanta, you know, he was, you know, saying things like, you know, you can't do it without talent. Nickelberry's in charge. Go out there and recruit your butt off. You know, Nickelberry got, you know, um, promoted without even coaching a game. You know, he, there sort of seemed to be a little bit of, you know, this this will never happen again under my watch. For as cocky as maybe a team could be in an offseason where you just lost 21 straight games, there did seem to be a last year was just an aberration, like this is not going to happen again. And, and I mean, now it seems like how is it going to stop? And I think that's the right. hardest part. And are, are there two more months of Patrick coming to a press conference, only half of them are with us, obviously, because he's on the road and we're not traveling. Maybe to maybe to Villanova, Seton Hall, whatever. But um, how, how how does this continue for for two more months? I think is the hardest part. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. I don't think anyone looking at the program and anyone from the inside or the outside even discussing George and Vassal would disagree with that. It's the, it just, again, it's just unfathomable, unfathomable to me how it has gotten to this point and it will still continue um, because he refuses to just walk away. And look, it's not like if he were to walk away that suddenly, you know, the program's going to turn around. Um, the roster is the roster, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, real change won't happen until we get a new coach in place. I just think the damage that you do to the, the, the program, the, the, the alum base donors and whatnot to, to let this drag out until March, um, I, I just don't know if they can afford it. It's, there's been a lot of vitriol on social media that has been building up over the past month. And it's gotten to a point I've never seen it worse um, than it is right now. And I can only imagine how bad it's going to be a month from now, you know, if there's no change. Yeah, I think that there's two things there. One of them, you know, real quick, um, this is Bobby Bancroft with Casual Hoy, Andrew Geiger, talking about Georgetown after they've now the all-time record holders in Big East regular season consecutive losses at 25. I think one thing we need to put out there is that it just seems like there's 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 too much out there that's personally going after Patrick, which I think mm-hmm. I think doesn't need to happen. I mean, I think I think we we would both admit that while it's frustrating to watch this and it's not what anybody wants, even if you didn't want Patrick Ewing hired as head coach in the spring of 2017, I think 99% of those people whether you wanted him or not, wanted him to succeed. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think, even if you thought it wouldn't work, I think most people wanted it to work, right? Like, like no one wants to have to have this chapter of Patrick Ewing where, you you know, it's, it's you know, everything Georgetown and Patrick Ewing should be positive. And the longer this goes on, it's harder to maintain that, if, if it's even still possible. Yeah. Oh, Texas just fired Chris Beard. How about that? I think the best thing that could happen if everyone could sort of agree is that it's announced he's not going to come back, but he coaches out the year. And I think the people that are upset will just sort of look, let's just play out this season. Let's root for the Hoyas. Let's keep going. Mm -hmm. Cause I think that the attacks on Patrick and without even really considering the players that came in to try and, you know, try and salvage it. I feel like there's definitely some mis there's just some stuff going on. That's just not healthy. Completely agree. So do you want to get some Twitter questions? Yeah, let's do it. There's a lot here. There's a lot. Yeah, it's a surprising response. In a short amount of time, you guys filled it up. Um, Here's one from our friend Philly Hoya. Is Ewing's departure at the end of the year so certain that pro tank fans can start rooting for wins yet? I would say yes. (laughs) Uh, Again, well, the answer is yes. Um, you should always be rooting for wins, I suppose. Correct. Uh, although, you know, I, I think I, we addressed this previously that I can totally understand why people are rooting for losses. Um, but yes, his departure is, is certain. Well, I mean, even if you look at it, there's five bad teams in the Big East. Georgetown's one of them. So there's four other bad teams in the Big East. That's eight games. They've already lost two of those games. So there's six games left against the bad teams. If they were to somehow mm-hmm. go six and oh, against those teams okay that gets you to six wins and let's say you pull an upset that gets you to seven so you're already saying the best case scenario (laughs) no no but i'm saying i'm saying this is the best case scenario would be to somehow find a way to get to seven wins that's 
ridiculously unlikely. And you go to Ken Palm to check that out if you want to do the math. You know what I mean? So I think this idea mm-hmm. that they're going to win more games and turn it around and make a run. I mean, and then, like you said earlier, there's guys hurt everywhere. Bristol has a concussion. Uh, 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 Heath is out until February. We don't know what's up with Murray or Mazone. I mean, I, I don't think Georgetown fans should be rooting for losses, no matter what you want going forward. No, no, but I could see some joy in the fan base if Ewing steps aside and you get some, let's say, you know, Nickelberry run team on an interim basis and they somehow, you know, beat a team like whoever it is, right? And then we we break the streak, fans rejoice, knowing that, you know, we've got the head coach job opening up, we're going to get someone, you know, big in next year, hopefully. Um, but at least we broke the streak, that sort of thing. Without the fans having to think in the back of their minds, like, oh, no, we won a game with Ewing at the helm. Does this mean that he's going to be the coach next year? Yeah. You know what I mean? That's different. I think the reasonable, rational arguments to bring Patrick back as the coach for a seventh year, I just don't know. I I just haven't heard one. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that 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 is – that's an issue. Okay, this is probably the big one from Armin. Uh, I think he's one of the Thompson Tao guys. Uh, Rick Pitino or Ed Cooley discuss. I mean, this will probably be its well, own podcast. It'll be a lot more than just a podcast. I mean, look, this is this is an ideal world, right? I mean, if if it comes down to this, where we are, we are in the the, the spot where we have the luxury of choosing between um, Rick Pitino or Ed Cooley. I mean, we should be so lucky. Um, my choice. That, which I think has been clear um, is, is Rick Pitino. Uh, he's, I mean, Cooley hasn't really won anything postseason-wise. So, um, but Pitino, if there's one guy in the entire landscape of college basketball coaching who's going to come here and you know, turn it around and have us back, perhaps in a tournament within you know two years, it's Rick Pitino. He's one of the greatest coaches of all time. He's doing a hell of a job at, at Iona. Um, it's just it, it's a no-brainer. I mean, Cooley obviously checks off a lot of boxes too, but if I had my choice of one or the other, I would lean towards uh, Rick Pitino. Yeah, it's sort of like Rick Pitino is almost like getting a transfer or a grad transfer quarterback in the portal. He doesn't necessarily like ruin um, future candidates or you know the growth of the program because he only has so many years left. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think, and I know that there's other questions out here. I don't remember who it was. Let me try and find it. Somebody did ask about Mike Jones. So I'm going to bring this up and tie this all together. Georgetown, even though Patrick was not a young buck when he became the head coach at Georgetown, he was an inexperienced guy. He had never been on a college staff. He had never been recruiting. Although he played college basketball, it was a really long time ago and a lot's changed. And we've seen that, right? We haven't seen the success. So they took a risk. It was kind of like the last Thompson connection, Hail Mary. It didn't work. I think Mike Jones, I think there's a lot of good qualities that you would like there. He was at DeMatha forever. He's been on a college staff now. This is his second year. Um, it's the second or third. So if, if, if it's three, I apologize. But look, you can't take that kind of risk again. Georgetown is in such a bad spot that it's DePaul level, right? You know, DePaul had 24 game losing streak. They beat Marquette somehow by a point. Then they had another 24 game losing streak. Okay. So while I get that Georgetown is being compared to DePaul, there is a lot of more, there's a lot more work to do to get to that level, even though that's not really a very high bar, but that all being said, I don't think you can, the next coach, 
when there's a new coach, it cannot be risky. It's got to be a home run. It's got to be a surefire. There are so many good college basketball coaches that would be available that would be interested in this job, even if it's not Cooley or Patino. Someone like that has to be hired. You cannot take a chance again. You can't. No, I I, I completely agree with that. Uh, I, that aside, Mike Jones is not qualified to be the head coach of Georgetown. Um, right, I mean, right, right. Based, so, if, I mean, if, if the next coach wanted to bring him along as an associate coach. Um, that would make know, a ton of would, sense. That would make a ton of sense. It would make a lot of sense. You know, bring back some of the, the Damascus connection. If he can do that, fantastic. But he is not qualified to be the head coach of Georgetown. Certainly not now. Um, and the, the conversation should end there. So over the hilltop uh, quote tweeted your tweet from a day or two ago where you put out like four or five things that you said are going to happen. So his question is, what, if anything, is known about the likelihood of a house cleaning of friends, families, hangers on, has-beens, structural change, uh, you know, the idea of the coach being accountable to the AD and not like its own special, you know, part of the athletic department? Right. Um, I, I don't know obviously, what will happen with, with all of that. I, I think that ultimately what should happen is that Lee Reed gets some more power over the basketball program, and he gets to put his mark on what happens in the Thompson Center, um, and that includes um, you know alumni outreach and whatnot. I will say on the alumni outreach part of it that Patrick Ewing Jr. had been excellent um, as sort of uh, an ambassador for like the former players, um, and so I'd hate to see him be forced out. Uh, I mean, hopefully he stays. I mean, really, depending on how this goes with it, with his bad. I mean, maybe he will just be like peace. I, I don't know. But Ewing Jr. has been an asset, I think, to the program really since he's been here, and I hope he he stays on in some fashion. Uh, you know, the, the big question here is Ronnie Thompson, right? I yeah. I don't have any sense of what the damn deal is with Ronnie Thompson. I really don't. I don't know what, I don't know why he's there. I don't know what his job really is. I don't know what he does on a daily basis. Um, And I don't know like if DeJoy is comfortable with getting rid of another Thompson. You know, Ewing is not a Thompson. You know, there's a bridge there, but he's not another Thompson. Um, I, I don't know how that would work. I can tell you, though, that his presence would certainly be an impediment to landing one of those two coaches that we had mentioned previously and probably any others. We're probably going to want to say, hey, is Ronnie Thompson still going to be, you know, looking over my shoulder or can I come in and kind of have, um, you know, my own independence? Well, yeah, I think having anyone like that's going to lower the amount of qualified, you know, applicants that you'd be interested in, right? Sure. So, so um, I guess the question with Ryan Thompson is, I, I don't know. Um, one would think that when Ewing leaves, that this will be the final, you know, severing of Georgetown from the Thompson tree. Um and so maybe Ronnie will just get a, get the hint and be like, I, you know, obviously I'm a person in Grada here. I'm I'm not going to be here any longer. I, I don't know. I I don't know why he is there now. Like it does, it, none of it makes real sense to me. Um, but I guess it's a wait and see as far as that goes. Unfortunately. Yeah, and I think that's. I mean, I think this question goes into like a bigger 
the bigger you know conversation of I don't think Patrick Ewing has been treated unfairly as the head coach as far as opportunities. I don't think very many places would have kept someone after last season. So that's where for me this all gets difficult because you want to have this separation to be you know as amicable as possible, right? And that's I guess that's obviously what you're always looking for, but more so. With Patrick Ewing, you walk into the Thompson Center if you're coming out of McDonough and, you know, Thompson, you know, Ewing's face is plastered over something. And I mean, he's he's part of it. You, there, there's no Georgetown basketball story without talking about Patrick Ewing. He's one of the focal characters. And so how this all goes together, like will next year be the first year where Thompson or Ewing isn't part of the program? And how will all the more recent how do all those alums that come to all the games, all the basketball alums, I guess it's more of a question for Gene Smith. Like how does everyone handle this kind of thing? You know, are they, are they mm-hmm. I mean, do, do, do other former players think that if Patrick doesn't come back for a seventh year, he will be getting the raw end of a deal somehow. Um, I don't know. I mean, no, no one, no one can, can look at the situation and think that I think actually the flip side of that is you know, our last two head coaches have had a very long leash. To, to get things right, and they had long tenures at the school, that's attractive um, to any applicants for the position. Uh, you know, to, to know that they're going to have the job security and the chance to turn things around is, is, is certainly something that, uh, you know, prospective head coaches are going to look at um, as an opportunity. Um, you know, there are certainly other schools that you might get two years, and if you're not – Look at look at Archie Miller in Indiana. I don't I forget how long he was there, yeah. um, but th- they ran him out pretty quickly. Uh, Georgetown's going to give someone the chance to to leave his mark um, or her mark. I mean, who knows? Maybe there's a Becky Hammond out there. I, I don't know. Um, but um, yeah. So what's what's let's go to the next question? Anything? Anything good out there? Um, well, um, there was. Uh, will the blog continue if a certain? A certain center transfers. I, I'm not sure what this means. I, I, I think Talking about Ryan, I suppose. To, yeah, a few years ago when I said if Matumbo doesn't come into Georgetown, I'll turn down the blog. That I'll shut down the blog. I think that oh. has, that that's because back then people actually thought that Ryan Matumbo was not going to come to Georgetown. That was never something that was a mystery to me. Uh, if he, tra- I can't at this point though. I, I certainly wouldn't blame him for transferring. I certainly wouldn't blame anyone on the team for transferring. Um, I don't want, put it this way, I don't want to hear things down the road like, oh no, if, if, if Ewing leaves, then there goes Marvell Allen. You know, like recruiting right now to, for Georgetown is probably next to impossible based on Ewing's perceived lame duck status among the college basketball universe. Any recruit, why would any recruit commit to Georgetown right now when there's no sense of stability. Um, if Ewing leaves and there's some collateral damage, like some of the commits for next year, like Marvell Allen saying, oh, well, you know, I was going to come there, but now Ewing's no longer there. Well, so be it. You know, I mean, if we have to, if the next coach has to put together some, you know, patch together a roster, uh, I can guarantee you that that roster will be playing better basketball than this team. Well, it's kind of what happened this year, really. I mean, with the portal, it's not hard. You know, it used to be a bigger deal right. if guys left. Because, I mean, like, for instance, Patrick Ewing Jr., you know, he, he had a he had a sit for a whole year. That That's what used to happen, right? Um, 
that doesn't happen anymore. So I think the idea of worrying about different players, you know, leaving if there's a coach that 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 should that's that should not be a consideration into any of these things. Yeah, and, and frankly, a lot of the players should be like looking forward to playing for a better head coach, you know, that can showcase their skills. Guys like Anglin, guys like Riley, you know, if they aren't so turned off at this point that they're they already have one foot out the door, you know, they should be look they should look forward to a new coach coming in um, that might give them the, uh, the the playing time that they thought they might be getting under Ewing. Please, uh, this is from GM Hertz. Please dissect the various potential meetings of imperative and back on track, which I think those are interesting questions before the season because I was sort of concerned that like five and fifteen might be considered getting back on track, but go ahead. I mean, assuming that we're giving real credit to the words, like this is actually something that, you know, people sat down and crafted the statement and, you know, use these words um, specifically, assuming that's all true. I'm not sure it is, but assuming that's all true, I think we hit on this earlier. Um, it just tells me that they are planting the seeds um, for reasons why to dismiss him at the end. I mean, it's, it's clear that if they're saying it's imperative that he gets the program back on track, well, there's no way the program's getting back on track, so you're done, right? I mean, there's no other, for me, there's no other way to look at it. There does not seem to be a path. There was a, the, the smallest window to fix this from last year to this year. And look, they're 5 and 11, they're 0 and 5, they lost to American. There's, I mean, I there's there, there just isn't a path back. And I think, I don't think Patrick is going to quit. And just, you know, Nickelberry takes over or something like that. I think, like I said, I think the best case scenario is everyone realizes that this isn't work. This isn't a long-term thing. And he were to announce that I'm coaching the rest of the season. And then it's time for someone else to have a turn at bringing back this program that I love. I think that was, I, I think he could, I think he could find a way to go out on the hero end. If, if he were to do yeah, that. Yeah, do it. Get a standing ovation. I mean, you know, that's it's, it's really not difficult. It's just not difficult. He's making it very difficult. Um, at Script Demon, I want Coach Ewing to leave Hoyas now and focus on his health. How much of a chance does George and Hoops have to get Rick Pitino? I know Casual Hoya wants Pitino, but is it feasible in real life? Um, I hadn't noticed. Does Casual yeah. Hoya want, want, want Rick Pitino? I hadn't noticed that. <laughs> uh, how feasible is it? Uh, extremely feasible. I can't emphasize that enough. Um, based on a number of conversations it, it, it can happen it really just depends on us moving and um other variables uh you know texas opening just now that could be another variable um i would suggest georgetown fans root for st john's to win as many games as possible down the stretch that could be another variable um you know i mean it doesn't seem I, someone tweeted or sent it yesterday that the list of possible uh, openings for next season and obviously it's unpredictable we're only in january but there weren't a lot of attractive jobs um that were mentioned uh you know so basically you've got georgetown maybe st john's you've got texas texas is a big one um I, I, cal you know Pitino's not going there um so if you're talking about you know other than texas Schools that make sense for uh, Patino, I would say Georgetown and St. John's are probably uh, the top two. Um, with Georgetown, 
having an edge given uh, Patino's familiarity with the school, you know, his children going there, et cetera. We got some questions um, at Hoya underscore Saxa. The university has the funds to the to buy out you in contract. Is this money that has been promised by donors who are fed up or was it actively sought out by uh, the president and the board for the planned future? Uh, that, so I, I know the school has the funds, uh, where these funds specifically came from, I, I don't know. And, um, you know, I don't know if this was like a fund the buyout initiative that went around. Um, if it did, I certainly wasn't, you know, privy to it. Um, but I think the important part is just to know that the buyout is not an issue. Do you think uh, DeJoy is prepared to let Ewing play out the rest of the season, even if they go winless again? I mean, I hope not. Here's the thing, and I think this is what fans need to understand, because a lot of times fans think that they're powerless. And last night after the game, I tweeted out the uh, the link to the names of the board of directors, and that was for a reason, and it's because, and I saw it with JT3. DeJoy doesn't really need to move unless he's feeling some pressure. And the only entity that is going to put any pressure on DeJoya is the board of directors. And the only way the board of directors is going to feel any pressure is if they hear from the fans. And while we think, you know, in our little world of Twitter that, you know, we're all, we've all got huge megaphones. The reality is that a lot of people aren't even on Twitter and they don't, they don't read what we put out there and they don't hear what we think that they're hearing. Um, so to the extent that you know anyone on that board of directors list, just reach out to him or her and be like, hey, you know, I'm concerned about the program. You know, I wouldn't spam them or go crazy. Just respectfully reach out to them and be like, hey, have, have there been any discussions? You know, because this, <laughs> this isn't going well and um, it's, it's having an impact on the, on the school's reputation, not just the basketball program. I mean, I, it, I don't know about you. I mean, you're not a Georgetown guy, but like I'm sort of embarrassed now to walk around with like, a Georgetown sweatshirt outside, right? Like <laughs> I've got one like on you're, right you're, now, man. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, good for you. I mean, yeah, you, you can flaunt it and be like, hey, look at me. But like the reality is like there's it, 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 just a lack of pride, right, in, in wearing Georgetown gear right now. Um, it's so, funny you say that because when I see someone else out in the wild doing the same thing, I'm always just like, good for you, man. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, I mean, and then I sort of wonder like, if they're if they're aware because we get so wrapped up into this that you don't realize like everyone else isn't living that way, right? And and so I guess the the answer to this question is you know do I think Joy is prepared to let you play out the rest of the season if they go winless again? I think the answer to that was probably yes. I think the answer now is no, but we've got to start applying some pressure. Yeah. I think generally it's not a great look to fire a coach in college in the middle of the season, because it's like, why didn't you do it in the off season? You know, like these guys are supposed to be more than just a coach. They're supposed to be in charge of this group of, you know, young adults. Right. But that being said, I think that you see a lot of college coaches, they resign, but they don't just resign out of nowhere. Right. Those there's talks. You know, I doubt Turgeon showed up last year to Maryland and blew him out of the water by being like, hey, I'm quitting. You know what I mean? I'm sure that there was some talks and like, this is what we're going to do. And I think that's the one that makes most sense. I just don't, I don't see Patrick stepping away. I think the most likely thing that would happen if you were to, if there's a midseason change made, and I've said it like five times now, is that he comes out, he says he's leaving at the end of the season. 
because it's time for someone else to have a chance to bring Georgetown back. I don't think he's just going to be like, I'm out of here. Good luck at Marquette. You know what I mean? Like that, I just don't see that happening. No, the best thing, the best thing for him to do would be, well, I think the best thing for him to do would be to step aside now. Yeah. Um, but second best would be, yes, I'm out at the end of the season. Right. And not because that gives the program, you know, direction as far as next season goes, as much as it gives um, the school an opportunity to start negotiating with potential head coaches so that when the season ends, you've got someone basically in place. Um, you know, I think we've discussed before how even with JC3, that happened pretty late in the cycle. Like that happened at like the end of March, maybe, or you can, you can tell me, but typically, you know, when you've got a, a coaching hire, it's announced right before the NCAA tournament or something like that, or, you know, right after the final four, I think the JT3 one happened late. It wasn't like something that was evident that was going to happen right after the season. Um, you know, Ewing announcing something sooner rather than later allows um, those who are going to be making a move um, to start negotiating with potential candidates. And that, that's always beneficial. Yeah, no, I think the JT3 one happened way too late because I think they were going to keep him. And then, you know, we talked earlier about how you shouldn't let certain players leaving dictate what you do with your head coaching position. But it did sort of seem like Trey Morning might transfer and LJ Peaks going pro and Trey Waters has decommitted. And I think it was like, oh, my God, let's just let's just let's just do something different. I think that's kind of mm-hmm. what happened. I mean, I'm not that that's not everything that happened. But those were like the last couple of dominoes to be like, what are we what are we doing here? Yes, yeah. not a very yeah. good. You you want to be more in a position, you know. You want to, you want to be proactive, right? You don't you don't want to just be you know. Mm-hmm. Texas is in the mix yeah. now. Texas is in the mix. So these are other things that you have to consider, right? Yep. I mean, you've got to you, Texas. I mean, if you're if you're talking about someone like Patino, if if if, if, for some, if they've zeroed in on him or they're eyeing him or whatever, and I, I don't know that to be true or untrue. I'm just saying, when you have a job like Texas opening, that's that's not great because Texas is a, is a big, uh, is, is big competition for someone like that. You know, Andrew, it'll be nice one day, just like I told Patrick uh, yesterday, he was joking. He was tired of my constant questions about the streak. I said, there'll be different questions at some point. It'll be nice when we have a podcast that's, I don't know about basketball or winning games or trying to, are we on the bubble? You know, one day, one day, Kente Corn will be like that. Just not today and not tomorrow. Yeah, and and look, ultimately, when when Ewing is whether he ultimately decides to step away or when we get word of his dismissal, um, you know, it's not going to be a celebratory occasion. I'm no. sure there are other no. There 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 are certainly certain other accounts that uh, have been very prolific about um, throwing stuff out there about the program um, that might throw some sort of celebrations on social media. I don't no, think that's that's appro- that's appropriate. Um, you know, he's obviously. Everyone knows who Ewing is, and everyone has high respect for the guy. Um, and it's all well warranted, and and he's well deserving of of all of it. Um, so I just I just hope that this goes, you know, as as reasonably well as it can possibly go over the next couple of months. Yeah, I think that that should be what everyone is looking for. It's not an easy thing. Um, it sucks. Everything about this sucks. Last year sucked. This year sucks again. <laughs> I mean, you know, it just does, and not just because they're not winning, but because of how it because of who's involved and how it's going and 
you know, all of these things. I mean, you haven't even been going to the games. It's weird there, man. It's weird. But I will say this. It's not like it was at the end of JT3. Like, there's no... At the end of JT3, it was really bad. The crowd was, you know, they had to pump up the music, which they're still doing. You know, last time they had to stop announcing JT3's name after the starting lineups because he getting booed so hard. That's not happening. And you could, you, you know, like anything, you could take that as that's a good thing. Or you could take it as so many fans have checked out. It's a bad thing. But it's definitely everything about it is definitely weird right now. Um, and it'll be back to get just be normal. Just just no, be a yeah, normal I, I, functioning. I, I would. Yeah, I would think that it won't get to the point where they're booing Ewing because it can't get any worse than it is now. So there's, I don't think there's a tipping point that can, now that they, obviously they've lost 25 in a row. It's not like suddenly, like you said earlier, like after game 28, here come the boo birds. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's when you're at the bottom, you can't go much lower. I I would think. Um, And, and booing Ewing, I don't think would really accomplish anything. Um, Well, and if you've been listening to basically the podcast has gone in a direction of, I got nothing to talk about. Let me talk to a reporter from the team that Georgetown's about to play even though I wasn't able to do Villanova because of just the schedules. But in all of those podcasts, I asked the people, Hey, what do you think about Georgetown? What's the view from, what's the view from, you know, uh, Xavier about Georgetown. And the view is, well, you know, we joined this conference. You guys are a big deal and we'd like you guys to start, you know, holding your weight, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And that, that's basically, so you're not even, I mean, you know, other than like no escalators, which is a pretty funny account, if you can handle it for uh, Connecticut, you know, basically everyone has the, oh, I can't wait till you guys are better. It's going to help the league. It's going to help the TV contract. You know, it's going to help, you know, it's great if Seton Hall is good or Providence is good. But guess what? It actually matters when Georgetown's good. Right. Yep. I think we, we'd all like to see us get better sooner rather than later. Um, but yes, the sucking will end. And I, I predict that the, the sucking will end as soon as next year. Okay, well, he's at Casual Hoya. You can get him there. If you aren't already following him, that's hard to believe if you listen to this long and you're not following him. I'm at Bobby Bancroft. Please subscribe to Kente Corner. You can find it anywhere you find your podcasts. And it looks like most people are coming through Apple, which I'm not an Apple guy, but that's fine if you do. No big deal. Andrew, until next time. Hoya Saxa.